Good morning. This is Tanisha Graham, your host for Cue the Creative. And I'm very excited to share our special guest today. Her name is Dr. Fisher, and she is a professor of leadership at the University of South Florida in Tampa. She is an amazing writer and thought leader, and I'm excited for her to share the things that she's studied and the things that she teaches her students and her readers and listeners. So without further ado, I want to introduce you to Dr. Jamee Fisher. And are you there? I am. Yes, I am. Okay, great. Well, let's start by you just telling us just a little bit about yourself, where, you, where you're from, and what you do on a daily basis. Thank you. I appreciate the invitation. I'm really happy to be here. So how I came to this work and how my life has brought me to where I am today is quite the adventure. (laughs) (laughs) Great. I love that. I knew when I was growing up and when I was a teenager that I wanted to be a writer, but I really didn't know what was involved in that and how hard it actually is. So I wanted to be a writer because I knew that I knew it was hard, but I knew that that was an area of my life I wanted to grow and how I wanted to share part of myself to the world. So initially, I went to school for political science, and I wanted to be a political science professor. But I had some, I finished my degree in political science, and then I had some friends, some really good friends who were teachers. And I worked for a member of Congress who also was a science teacher before he became a member of Congress. So they influenced my decision strongly to go into education because I knew I wanted a master's because I was working in the congressman's, at that point, I was working in the congressman's district office, but I knew I wanted something more. I had this passion and I knew I wanted to reach more people and have a greater impact on the day in and day out of people's lives and although I was doing that in politics I mean politics and politicians and our congressional leaders have an impact on our daily lives but I knew I wanted to reach people in a different way so that's why I that's what led me to education and so after teaching for a while I was really interested still in political subjects and how they impact what we decide to do and not to do in our classrooms, in our lives. So I went into human rights work and human rights education. I did a little political organizing and things of that nature. And I taught in that way in my classroom too. Had a really amazing community that I served. And they were very aware that I was teaching subjects and my principal too, that I was teaching subjects like asylum and things like that and partnering with our local human rights commission. And they were very supportive. So after that, I started doing coaching work and that's what led me into leadership coaching. So I started doing coaching work for the school district and then went on to get and um, earned a doctorate in culture and teaching. So that led me to pretty much the work that I do today those early experiences really impacted how I make sense of our emotional worlds and how our actually is our emotional worlds that impact what political subjects we take up or don't take up. And I've been thinking about this in a broader sense recently, and that's why I started the blog, is because, you know, how are our emotional worlds impacting us as leaders? And the daily decisions we make in our personal and professional lives as leaders. So that's part of the reason I'm in leadership studies now. Well, that I think that's really fascinating and really true. And I too have been very interested in emotions and 
how they affect us and how they hold us back in the same breath. And I know that you have written, um, you published something recently in Thrive and Thrive Global. Um, and it talks about, it focuses on leading during times of disruption. Can you talk about some things that you wrote about there? And there are probably people like we felt as younger adults that we want to be leaders. We know we want to make a big impact on a larger group of individuals, but I think people struggle knowing where their place is as a leader in this time of disruption is is the time that we need leaders and we need people to step up. So can you talk about that for a minute? Sure. I'll happily talk about that because we always experience change. Part of That's just part of being in the universe. The universe is always changing. So it's not often that we have mass, a mass awareness of how disruption and change impacts our emotions and how that impacts us as leaders. So what I wrote about there and what I continually think about all the time before our current situation in our world, and I will continue to think about this afterwards, but maybe in a different way, are the basic things that really take us back to the root of how we experience the crisis or whatever crisis or whatever disruption that we're experiencing and how we make sense of that and how our emotions impact our sense-making, in other words, our thoughts. So we have the thoughts about whatever the disruption is, you know, in a school for people familiar with K through 12, for example, is school closure, or it is people getting laid off or the various things like that. And layoffs, of course, happen in, in all industries. But right. how we, what do we do with that? Okay, this happened, this thing happened, but how are our emotions impacting that? And so when we take a step back, how, how are, I should say it differently, how our emotions are impacting how we think about that event or that thing. So when we carry our emotions and when we step back and say, okay, I'm feeling this way, how is that impacting my decisions and how I make sense of this really impacts your future trajectory. So if you can't think about, you know, what can I learn from this or what can I, if you're so in your emotional world where you can't step back and figure out the lesson that the universe is trying to teach you, then you see, to me, what I've learned working with a lot of leader, leaders is that we can't get out of our own way when we're just cycling in emotions and just allowing emotions to just take ravage us, basically. As, yes. um, you, as you know, these things show up for us physically. And I've ex- personally experienced it myself where I had an anxiety attack because and my body responded to the emotions that I was having at that time. And it can even impact people in more subtle ways, like making a decision. I work yes. with leaders who have a hard time being decisive. It, the reason they're hard, having a hard time being decisive is because of the emotions around the decision. It could be so fear. True. They're worried if they're going to make a wrong decision. Instead of just being in the moment, okay, where am I at right now? What emotion am I feeling and how is that impacting which decision that I make or if I even choose to make a decision or not is really what deserves the focus and what really brings us back to the body and brings us back to the emotion and centers us and makes it more 
you know, now in the now for us. Right. In the moment. Mm -hmm. And emotions are fickle. You know, I know we've all felt upset before we go to sleep and you wake up and you think, what was I mad about? (laughs) I mean, sometimes Mm -hmm. it's a little bit more traumatic than that. But as we go to sleep and the emotion chills out, then we wake up and we feel totally different. So emotions are fickle. They come and they go. And, and to just have an awareness of every thought that we have, taking it through this diagram almost in our mind, what emotion am I feeling and, and how is this affecting my actions? I think that is really powerful. And I think that's really good. Now you, you write mainly about leadership, but I know your passion is to teach a lifestyle of well-being. And can you tell us what that means to you and how you achieve that good well-being? Yeah, I have been thinking about this in terms of, you know, just the well-being, the self-care that we have to practice as individuals. But when we practice that self-care as a leader, we're not only practicing that self-care for ourselves, but out of the love for the people around us too. So we have to practice self-care in order to be a model of leadership, in order to be a model of how to lead well. So when I think of the lifestyle part of it, a lot of people think, I think, I shouldn't say a lot of people think this because I don't know what a whole (laughs) lot of people think, even though I do a lot of research, there are a lot of people in the world. But some people think, the people that I've talked to think that because I, because of what I call my blogging were involves the word lavish. They think that that means just being like flashy or just it's material wealth or anything like that. But when you think of lavish is thinking of, okay, how can I care for myself so I can care for my community? Because it's a lot of martyrdom out there. A lot of people who go in, who go into certain professions or do certain things because they feel like they have to do it and then they crash and burn. So we don't want our our leaders crashing. We want (laughs) good people to stay in leadership positions. You know, you may not have the particular title of leadership, but you can lead from any space that you're at right now. So I used to work with a lot of teacher leaders and they led from the classroom. They didn't have the title or the pay that administrators have, for example, or cabinet members, for example. I mean, cabinet members, even though they were called cabinet members, a lot of them were not effective leaders. So leadership really is a stance. And teacher leaders are very powerful people and people who lead in their communities to like community organizers and things like that. So thinking about as leaders, this is why I bring it to the leadership part is because, okay, it's, we can definitely the individual is involved here because wellness is something we need to work on as a society, but, you know, as leaders, how can we model being well? And that probably can look different for a lot of people. Self-care, you know, only you know what your self-care is. It could be taking an hour to read a book by yourself. It could be taking a walk. I think exercising is great self-care. And and so I think that's an individual journey, don't you, where people have to see what that looks like for themselves. 
especially now with a lot of people staying at home a lot and a lot of communities like the one I live in have the what they call the stay at home well it's not called stay at home it's called excuse me safer at home where we're staying at home more often so what does leadership look like when you're leading in when you're being a leader but you're safer at home so it may take the form of something simple like (laughs) reading a book for example right or you know or doing the dishes (laughs) or things like that doing what is in this it reminds us of taking care of what's in front of us not imagining some leadership thing we have to do that's not even happening right now that's outside of what's in front of us right now but taking care of what's in front of us like you said maybe taking a nap might is a form of leadership because you're modeling you know self-care you're asking your question, your, yourself questions like, how can I take exquisite care of myself right now? <laughs> yes. So. And that's so true for mothers, especially right now, because mm-hmm. you get in the habit of just serve, 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 but you have to stop and also, you know, take care of yourself so that you can lead others. And it's, it's like not, the, excuse me. Yeah, you're fine. I was just going to say, it's like the, the air mask on the airplane. They tell you to put it on before you put it on your child, because if you don't know what you're doing, you can't help your child. You know, it's the same idea. But then being aware of how these feelings are driving the emotion that you're choosing to do. I mean, the action that you're choosing to do. That's what I wrote about in my blog recently, where action is not enough. So let's say I wanted to read a book, but if I'm just reading the book and I'm moving and I'm scanning the words with my eyes and I'm turning the pages I may not actually be reading <laughs> a right. lot of people. You're letting it affect you. Yeah. Right. You're not learning it. You're right. not, your emotions are stopping you from actually paying attention to what you're doing in the moment right now. That's why action sometimes, oftentimes is not enough. Like we have to notice the feeling, say, okay, well, I'm really anxious right now, or I'm really sad. Okay, that's fine. I'm human but I'm going to read this book anyway, but noticing the emotion, but not ignoring it, but then go ahead and read the book anyway, because what ultimately ultimately happens is that your mind will start focusing on the words that's there. You will notice when you start to turn the pages, for example, instead of just taking action and just doing something without even realizing the emotion that's driving it. Interesting. And you're just, we probably are going to realize that we do a lot of things mindlessly. Mm-hmm. where we're just in our head and, and acting. I remember you were talking about doing the dishes and it reminded me of an old, um, an older Chinese lady that was a friend of mine and she gave me the best advice. She said, when you're doing the dishes, she said, I think a lot of Americans tend to just think about what they need to be doing in 10 minutes or think about how they have all this on their to-do list. She said, when I do the dishes, I think about each dish and I just live in that moment and I do that task well. And I just think about what I'm doing in that exact task in that moment. And I thought, wow, that is really profound. And that takes a lot of discipline to not let your mind and your emotions wonder. That's right. And that's the key word there for me is discipline because that's a form of self-care. Like when you're disciplined, that's that's a form of loving yourself. And as a leader, you're therefore loving your community too, because you're practicing discipline. So people who are watching you, a lot of people learn from just watching. They're learning discipline too. That's true. That's so true. And just 
thinking about what's going on right now, I think people are dealing with a lot of fear. So let's talk about that emotion itself. I just interviewed someone last week and we were talking about fear and how the way she deals with it is she runs towards the fear and, and, and goes towards that. But how do you deal with fear and anxiety? And I know you talked about your body having an anxiety attack. What have you learned to settle that within your spirit and within your mind and your thoughts? Because I know that can help so many people right now, that guidance on how to contain that fear and anxiety. Well, it sort of is simple, but it's um, hard at the same time. <laughs> it's right. is kind of that, you know, that duality there where, right. yes, you have to notice that the fear is first there because I think a lot of us don't notice that we're operating out of fear. So oh, that's good to notice first notice. Okay. You may not even be able to, one of the things that I write about in my scholarship and on my blog too, is that we may not even be able to put a name on the emotion, but just to name that it's okay, it's an emotion there. My body is tensing up, for an example. It's because of the thoughts in my head, but I can't put a name on it. So maybe someone, we might get to a point where we can name it as fear. So first we have to figure out, not figure out, because sometimes that can get tricky because the mind right, will, you get in your head. <laughs> right, right. The mind <laughs> will take us to places that you know, maybe might not be productive at that point, but um, just to notice that the fear is there and then feel the fear and do what it is, what it is you're going to do anyway. So if it's go towards the fear, whatever you're afraid of, do that. If you're afraid right. of not, sometimes for me, and I only can speak for myself here, but I know it's a lot of leaders that I work with experience this too, is that we get fearful. So we have to do something. So it's like, okay, I got to do yes. something. So I'm so scared. That's me. I'm a product. <laughs> I drive it out with production. That's exactly what I do. <laughs> okay. I noticed the fear. I'm fearful and I'm going to do it anyway, which could be production, but maybe I'm too afraid to not produce. Maybe I'm oh, too afraid. Yeah, that's profound. You know, maybe I should not produce right now because the fear is telling me to produce. So I'm going to do the opposite of that right now. And not produce mm. and sit with that uncomfortable feeling, whatever comes out of that. So just be with that and notice it because when you notice the emotion that's there, it'll go away. So it'll dissipate. It won't have the power over you in that point. The fear of I better hurry up and do something won't be that strong. Oh, that's good. Well, and do you think that journaling helps with that? I'm a big journaler. I don't know if that's a common thing, but I love to journal. Do you think journaling can help you through these thoughts and just pinpointing an emotion? And if you're taking action based on the emotion? Yes. Journaling is great. Like that's a great strategy. Yeah. We do that in education. I work in a college of education and I do that with my private clients too. With my private clients, I have to sometimes tell them to journal because our mind responds to two things based, you know, I believe our mind responds to two things, the images that we show it and the words that we tell it. So journaling is a way to show, to put out the words that we're telling our mind. So, you know, if we, yeah. if we're not a visual person and we're more kinesthetic, for example, journaling is a great way to, to guide your mind on what it is you need to do. 
I agree completely. I agree completely. Well, I'm so excited that you shared all of these amazing tips with us. And I think at this time, we have this gift of being still. And I think that is such a great time for growth. And we can either focus on, you know, like you said, the emotions and everything negative happening, or we can focus on the growth and trying to understand the, the emotions that we're going through. And I think what you've talked taught us is very important and very timely. And I'm just very thankful that you came on and let us interview you. And I know the listeners, I'm sure learned so much from you today. Can you tell us exactly where your blog is? I believe it's leading lavishly. Uh, can you tell us about where to find you on your blog and Instagram and Facebook and so on? Sure. Thank you. Um, my blog can be followed. Yes. On leading lavishly and you, people can sign up for my blog there and I do post every week or people can Great. sign up on my Instagram, like follow me on Instagram at Jamay Fisher. That's J A M A Y F I S H E R on Instagram. Okay, great. Well, Dr. Fisher, we're so thankful for your knowledge and your work. And I know that you have probably helped a lot of people. Uh, your clients and your students have probably learned a lot from you. And we're thankful that we got to learn from you today. So I appreciate you taking the time to talk to us here on Cue the Creative. My pleasure. And thank you for your work. Yes, absolutely. Have a great day. Thank you.